Salutations. My name is Justin oh, no. Moore. Oh no. Are we doing Austria? And, and I'm Lyra Madonna. No, that's terrible. I sounded. That was not okay what I just did. Are you re recording it? No, no, no. Oh. I just turned my volume down. Oh. I'm Lyra Madonna. And y'all listen to. I, I, go ahead. And y'all listen to episode 78 of Horror Business. Horror, how do Australian people say horror? I believe it would be. No, that's like, I was going to say our business, but that's like an English. Yeah. I don't know. I can, I'm not so, so some people can't deal with an Australian accent. Like they hear it and they're just like, that's not even English. I'm not like that at all. But my attempt to do one, my my mouth is like, nah, dog. That's the only Australian I've ever actually heard speak like in person and not in like a movie. Has like a really mellifluous voice and it's like, it's 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 pleasing to the ears. It's not like audio fucking uh, sauerkraut gone too far. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. You're probably wondering why Liam and I are spouting horrible... Australian. Quasi-Australian accents. Australia, Australia, Australia. We love you. Amen. We're not even doing two Australian movies. We're doing one. I know, but you just got so stoked that one of them was Australian. We can do an Australian double sometime. There's a lot of good horror for Australia. Yeah, there is. We are doing 1986's Australian um, dystopian nightmare movie, Dead End Driving, and 1986's Classes Against Homeless, homeless People movie, uh, Neon Maniacs. Against homeless. You think the Neon Maniacs are homeless? I think it's a metaphor. Do you really? I absolutely do. Wow. I don't know that I believe that. I believe this is a movie inspired by... Um, garbage pail kids cards. Okay, and weed. Okay, in that they were like the setup of the movie. It feels to me like they were like, "Yo, what if we had like each of these recognizable scary guys?" Is like, dude, like they're you know, it's like a team. Yeah, and they each have a personality. Oh, you mean like the village people? Yeah, but not the fucking village people. All right, it's like goofy and weird. Like I don't know, like the garbage pail kids. Interesting. That's what I think is going on, or something around those along those lines. Or it's classes against homeless people. Why do you think they're homeless? Oh, I'm sorry. Do do well-adjusted uh, people not in need of mental and emotional support live in the fucking Golden Gate Bridge and are monstrous? I think they're interdimensional creatures. They're not interdimensional creatures. How are they? Uh, we're gonna get there. Put put a fucking put a put put a pin in that because I want to know. They're not human. I mean, one of them, a few of them look vaguely human. No, that's just, the, they ran out of money for the makeup. Touche. <laughs> uh, sorry, 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 y'all, sorry. I also want to fully acknowledge before anyone, like, gets a, a you know, a thing about it with us, that Dead End Drive-In is not what one would consider a, quote-unquote, traditional horror film. It probably falls more on an exploitation realm. But also, I don't care. Yeah. So whatever that is you were going to say to let us know that how it's not a real horror movie, um, you can just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Yeah, just shove it up your butt and keep it there. Yeah. Or uh, you can uh, tweet it to friend of the show, uh, uh, Brian, 
at uh, at Evil Taylor Hicks. Just go ahead and tweet all your complaints about hard business at him. Better yet, send it to at Chris Reject at Twitter. <laughs> yes, oh my God, you're so right. Uh, at oh, just might as well do the business account yeah, at, yeah. The, at the LVA at the underscore LVAC. Yeah, LVAC is all in caps. All in caps. Go ahead and any complaints you have about this show, send them there, and we'll he- we'll hear about them eventually. I'm yeah, sure. and you can email them too. It's at the xlvacx at gmail.com. Speaking of people we have to thank, who are the first people we have to thank, Justin? Our Patreon, our patrons. Yeah. Hey, we, we got even more people, including good friend of the show, Dana. Is she a patron? She has now become a patron. Very good. She's the best. She is we the best. We love her. She, has, uh, she, she suffered through not quite all of Project Metal Beast. Too much of to Project hang, Metal just Beast. Just to hang out with us. Yeah, she suffered through too much of a... Uh, a Project Metal Beast to sit and kick it with us, just to hang, just to be like a bud. Yeah, and I'm gonna start telling people that she was she's she is on our shirt. I'm gonna start telling people that the shirt was modeled off of her. Yes, psychically speaking. Yes. Um, so if you want to be like I've said, you're never gonna be as cool as Dana. But if you want to try, you can head to patreoncom backslash Cinepunks and become a patron. You'll not only be supporting this show, but you'll be supporting several other great shows, including but not limited to Cinepunks itself, Black Sun Dispatches, Tomb of Ideas. Um, what else is there? Uh, wine and Cheese. Yeah. Weird, obscure, and weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. unsafe. Fat Girl Hacks. Evil Eye. Evil Eye, and you know, a bunch of other shit or writers, people who write for us. That's fun. Yep. So if you want to support the arts, www.patreon.com/backslash/cinepunks. Our other sponsors that we'd like to thank. The premier screen printing company of the Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam. Yes. I said to you. Sure. I We're speaking now. We're speaking. Okay. I want to get a t-shirt made that says. No, I don't recommend it. Oh, okay. keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah my bad. Yeah. Let's get a t-shirt made that says, um, hmm. Chorus of Disapproval is the best straight edge band out of Southern California ever. Out of Southern California. Southern California. It's a fact. I might, I might agree with you. It's a fact. What other straight? What am I not thinking of? Because you're, you're saying okay, so the 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 controversy there should be, they're better than Uniform Choice, and a lot of people would be offended by that. Mm, yeah, I mean it sucks. The truth hurts. I still might agree with you though, only because I do like a gross disapproval. I don't know though because I do like Stalag Thirteen, mm. but I think I have to go with Course of Disapproval, even though I love Stalag Thirteen because more material. Yeah, they have more material. Stalag Thirteen has like one good release. Yes. Although I will say I'm a mild defender of the bad uniform choice material. Oh, like Stand of the Sun? Yeah. I don't think it's that bad. I, I'm not saying it's good, and I'm not going to go to war about it like I would for the Bold Record, which I've now become a full fan. Ah, I'm an officially no, a fan of the Bold Record. I blanked for a second because I thought you were talking about, um, oh, what was the fucking band? For some reason, I conflated bad uniform choice yeah. with um, Mind Funk. What is Mind Funk? Is it Mind Funk? I don't know what that is. Pat Dubar's band after. Oh, I have not kept up with the career of Pat Dubar. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a deep cut. Look, no, no, no. Let me be clear. I have respect for the sorts of core folk who like could be like, oh well, Pat Dubar was actually in six bands. Let me list them for you and their releases. Like, <laughs> that's fine. I don't. That's cool. You. I, I, as long as you don't think I'm a poser, I yeah. have no problem with you nerding out on that level. But the simple reality is that my interest in music goes 
far enough that I didn't have time to figure out what Bad Bands Pat Dubar was in after Uniform Choice. Good idea. Keep it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like other stuff, too. Yeah, you do. You like lots of stuff. Yeah. Liam, on Liam O'Donnell's tombstone, Liam, he liked lots of stuff. Yeah. Maybe a little too much. That's Maybe a little too much. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe a little too Maybe much. Maybe a little too much. Yeah. Now, if we, if we wanted to get that shirt made, where would you suggest I go? Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Goddamn right. Now, let's say you have an idea for your for your, your dumb joke. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> or your podcast. Sure. Or your also, band. Also, this is the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the same. It's a, it's a joke going too far. You should go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations because they're, I think they're going to start, I think they're going to open back up soon because they're closed down right now because, you know, the horrible pandemic. Chris will guide you. If you don't have like a solid plan, they have uh, they have graphic designers on staff for at a reasonable rate who are good enough that they can get you in and out of there. Well, not like in and out. Like they can sit down with you and have your design done within a reasonable time, so that you're, they're not going to charge you like a crazy. They're not going to take your fucking do- your firstborn daughter or your secondborn. They're not going to take any of your kids. Yeah. And they do quality work. Yeah. You know they got the the, the shirts. With the different weaves, I'm looking at my own shirt. Even though this isn't like a Lehigh Valley Apparel Creation shirt, that's fine. They got inks, d- different kinds of inks. Yeah. Do you like soft shirts? They can get soft shirts. Yeah. You like boxy shirts? They can get boxy shirts. Whatever kind of shirt you need, they get it yeah. for you. You want a weird shirt with a tail? They'll get it for you. Sometimes people like tails on their shirts. Really? Yeah, where it goes longer in the back. I know that was a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. There's a name for it. I don't know what oh. it is. Stupid? They'll know the name for it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah they will. Because they know everything. Because they're very smart and they're very good at their jobs. So, if you're interested in getting quality products made for your brand, or just whatever, head to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. I'm not going to make a Chris Reject straight edge joke. No, that would be disrespectful. That would be disrespect- disrespectful to, to a, a brave... Mm-hmm. Courageous, mm-hmm. brave man on the front lines yes. defending our citizens against COVID nineteen. Yep. So I'm not going to make a straight edge joke about Chris no. reject. Although Chris did accuse me of being an asshole while watching the thing last night. So. Oh really? Yeah. I made a dumb joke about me watching the thing in peace, and he was like, "I've watched that movie with you. You spoil it every time I watch it with you." Mm. I was like, "Yeah, because you've seen it before." Mm. When I watch when I watch a movie in peace, I don't need people doing things to me. Mm. www.xlvacx.com now has come the time in the podcast where we we, we, we draw the blinds draw the curtains oh, turn the lights down oh sweet Jesus we light the lantern the lantern even the lantern we light the incense do, do the thing on the Tibetan bowl it makes the note we work ourselves into a trance we look inwards to discover the truth oh god can you t- can you speak up sorry I'm just, I'm this sorry. is an audio. It's an audio medium. <laughs> my inner voice is speaking to me. You have okay, to listen. Good. Right, good. You have to ask yourself. Oh my god! Because you ask yourself, you are now one with the oh, universe, and Liam's god. in the universe. Mm. So when you ask yourself, you're asking the universe. Liam, what have you done involving horror movies recently? Almost nothing. Holy shit, bro! It's quarantine times. I don't. I don't. It's hard for me to watch stuff. I got a lot of stuff to watch. It's hard for me to watch stuff. I I get it. You askew parents and children, so you're like, just leave Maeve in a field and go watch a horror movie. Wait, I'm sorry. I as- what does that mean? What does askew mean? I don't know. I, I, I probably used it wrong. It doesn't matter. Point is this: I did watch one thing. I watched the movie that you said was almost unwatchably scary. You watched Z. I did. What did you think? 
it's pretty good. I I don't. Hmm. I might not have the same anxieties that you do because it at no point made me that afraid. That bathtub scene didn't scare you. It gave me anxiety. I felt a little nervous, but no, I maybe it doesn't help that I knew the deal a little bit having talked to you about it. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, but uh, you know, I would definitely recommend it. I didn't think it was not good or anything. I just it did not get under my skin in the same way. Otherwise, though, you trust children, though. <sighs> yeah, I guess. See, I don't. I mean, I trust my child. I don't know about yeah. other children. Um, otherwise, nah, dog. I just haven't had time. I mean, uh, let's be clear. In the Rona time, in the Rona period, time has become a useless construct yeah. that has no meaning for me. And so uh, I've also just been really tired, so I haven't been able to just like, I'm just going to stay up late on my own and watch whatever I want. And, you know, screw the family. I do what I want. And that every time I've tried to do that, I've either been watching something I had to watch for a podcast. Yes. Or I fell asleep. Interesting. I was like, oh, I hear this, uh, the director, weirdly, I don't even know if he knew what we were watching it, but a friend of the show, Evan Vallella, hit me up to know that Brian Trenchard Smith, director Mm -hmm. of one of our movies, Mm -hmm. that his Vietnam War movie featuring Wings Hauser, who you know I love. Yes. Not quite as much as I love Oliver Reed or... Joe Spinell? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so <laughs> glad you reached to my brain. Every time I go to say Joe Spinell's name, my brain goes, Maniac Man. I'm like, no, you can't say Maniac Man. This is a horror podcast. You need to know Joe Spinell's name. Yeah. Right? And my brain goes, Maniac Man. <laughs> Lone Shark from Rocky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do but I do love Wingshauser a lot. And so I was like, oh, damn, I want to watch that. And then I can bring it up during our episode. You know, oh, blah, 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 blah. and uh, I just couldn't. I fell straight sleep straight away i just couldn't my brain's just like no nah, dog it's time for you to go to bed <laughs> what, what time at night was this 10 whoa bruv i've been waking up some mornings at like five so do i <laughs> i'm usually I'm, I'm usually awake till four <laughs> okay that's not healthy <laughs> it's not at all it's not if a good idea i'm still i know it's like like as we get older too people are like now that i'm getting older i don't need as much sleep and my body's like hey you want to get seven hours? Cool, man. We can work with seven. If you go down to six and you break six and now you're in the less than six realm, I will make you fucking pay. We're going to have yeah, words. We'll die. Yeah. My, my body's just like, nah, dog. Like, and, and if I go like a few nights at seven, then one night my brain just goes, oh, yeah, did you have fun? You've been having fun lately, buddy? Okay, here we go. Donk. And I oh, just yeah. go to sleep. No, I mean, it's it's I, I definitely... um. There are times when I feel like if I get less than uh, eight hours of sleep, like straight up, if I don't get like a solid eight hours, I'm absolutely 100% useless the next day. All right. In every single way. Like physically washed out, full of despair. Yeah. Just not in a good, not, not, in, a, not in a good place. I did get, I'm gonna, because I don't really have anything to talk about, I have this message from our patron, Dana. Okay. And if it's something worth talking about, then we'll talk about it. And if it's not, then Jacob can just cut this out. Okay. Tell Justin to remember to proudly to ask for money and subscribers and patron patron people and all those things and not keep saying that you guys don't do it for that. You should do it for that. You deserve to get paid. I appreciate that. I actually really appreciate that. I was hoping she had a question for us about yeah. horror. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we. Uh, I don't know that we. You owe us anything, but I do think you know. Cinepunks, money, money is a fucking construct. I do think Cinepunks provides a lot for 
free. So if you're like, hey, I get a lot of this for free, I'd like to give some money. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. I'm not I'm not too proud to take your fucking money. Question. Are you too proud to beg? Uh, depends on the circumstances. <laughs> I always think that when people, that I hear, that, you know, this is a song. I'm yeah. Not, I ain't too proud to beg. I'm always like, yeah, it just depends. There are the scenarios where I would be like, no, nah, man, fuck you. I ain't begging. But there are plenty of other scenarios where I'm like, is that what it takes? Yeah, sure, man. I don't give a fuck. Because what is, I don't, whatever. We don't have to get into it. I have this thing where it's like, I don't find it impossible to get over bruises. If I thought it was impossible to get over bruises to my pride, then I could never create anything ever again. Because yeah. regularly I make stuff and someone's like, oh, that's a shame that that sucks. And I'm like, cool. I guess I'll give up on everything. Yeah. You know? So my pride could take a hit. So if what you were telling me is that for a pride hit, I could get something that was actually valuable, then like, I- I'm-, I'm in. Let's, let's figure that out. The one time in my life, I'm not, I, the one time in my life I'm going to be uncouth yeah. and tactless yeah. and, and, and crude. Yeah. I'm not a crude person. Yeah. I'm going to beg. Give us money. Please. <laughs> I just yeah. made, I made uh, the, ha- the, the, the gestures, the hands. I will say though, I, I say that, but I want to be clear because we had a couple of people who, who, you know, did drop their patronage specifically because of financial stuff there's you know that's fine some bajillion people are out of work right now don't feel obligated to give us your money if you're if you're like i wonder how i'm gonna afford ramen your ramen is more important than us in any way shape or form i just know that a few of us not me but a few of us are doing pretty good if you're doing pretty good and you want to shave off some some gold we'll take it look all i'm saying is this is that if i don't pay the rent in four days the hulk's Nieces and nephews are going to eat my family. So please, if there is a Hawkeye out there, I will travel across these United States of America to fucking embark on some unnamed task for 40 gold bars or whatever he was going to pay him in. Hey, Justin. Yes. Uh, what have you done that's hard Yo, recently? Because you do, you do way more than I, I do. I discovered a little thing called Tubi recently. and Tubi is pretty cool. Tubi is fucking sick we use it a lot for cinema smorgasbord because we cover a lot of rare stuff so we'll find it on there tubi is fucking dope t-u-b-i.com it's like netflix for free with like fucking thrice the amount of titles on there there is insane amount of shit on there so i've been watching a lot of stuff on tubi first off i'll start with the stuff i didn't like was one movie i watched called skyquake i didn't like this movie gross very uh kind of a cool concept not very good in execution next was a movie called radius which is pretty cool, about a guy who wakes up in a car accident with no memory, and everything within 50 feet of him dies. It's pretty cool. That sounds actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was still cool. Which is, as I described it, if you crossed uh, Event Horizon and The Thing and placed it in the desert, you know, a guy is investigating a distress call from, like, a research station in the desert. He gets there, and everyone's gone except this one female doctor, and he's, they're like, oh, yeah, we were drilling, and we hit this, like, pocket, like, nine miles down, and all this inexplicable stuff started happening. It was very bad, and he gets on the radio, and he's like, I found the doctor. She was jogging, and they're like, it was an all-male staff. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. So it was very, it was, uh, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was good. And then I watched a movie the other night I was pleasantly surprised by, it, and it, I think it ties in with our neon theme, a little movie called The Neon Dead. Oh, I saw you post that, and I th- I was like, I wonder if he's watching that because of us watching. That ne- that's Neon how it came because I when I looked up Neon Maniacs, the thing that came up it like auto populated Neon Dead, and I was like, oh, what's 
Have you heard anything about this movie? Never even heard of it. Okay. So it's like a relatively recent release. It was also released under Invasion of the Undead. Oh, okay. It's not a good movie. Sure. But it's a bad movie made earnestly. Right. And I think whoever made it, they knew their limitations and they worked within that. And that's really all you can ask in a movie. It's a lot of fun. It's self-aware, but in a good way. Yeah. And it is insane. One of the most visually striking films I've ever seen. Yeah. Like Neon Maniacs is called Neon Maniacs, but I don't think there's any actual neon in this movie, in that movie. I think there was an intention, but it, it's, yeah. Yeah, a little money ran out. So yeah. the Neon Dead is shot, if you, if you, if you, if you told a computer algorithm what a Mario, a Mario, Dario Argento film was, specifically Suspiria, and then that computer like shat out like an algorithm to make a movie. Sure. It would make the lighting for this movie. Oh, right. Like everything is like red and blue and fucking neon green and ne- it's just insanity, but it's it's gorgeous. And then I watched a movie last night called We've Forgotten More Than We'll Ever Know. I saw the post you posted the poster and it looked interesting to me. Is this a- have you have you heard of this movie either? No, no idea. The movie came completely out of nowhere for me. Yeah. Starring the homie Doug Jones in a one of his rare roles where he's not under fucking 40 layers of latex. Right. The Orchard put it out? Okay. Or Orchard? I think it's The Orchard. The Orchard, yeah. Yeah. Man, what a... I, I, I spent a goodish amount last night looking online for theories on what it was about. Oh, okay. I didn't really need... It was one of those movies I could just watch and like yeah. it didn't really make any sense to me. Like it didn't make... Like it made sense in the sense that there was like... You knew it was going on. It wasn't like an art house film. It wasn't like abstract or surreal, but... Right. Fuck, what a cool, beautiful movie. That's interesting. And genuinely genuinely like frightening at times. Like yeah. not not much, but there was a few times where it was uh like, oh shit. I mean it's it's Doug Jones. Like he's the nicest man in the world, but yeah. he does have an air about him. He has a creepy person with, with 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 his long limbs and his Hello, I'm Doug Jones. His ways. He also eats children? That's just off putting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the pale man, he's fucking frightening. Yep. So that's what I've done. I'm trying to think if I did anything else. That was a lot more interesting than me. No, I didn't do anything else. The only thing that's a bummer is I'm not even watching any horror adjacent TV shows, which I was would, would sort of make up for. A yeah, bit. I'm not doing that either. You got to watch Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. I've been meaning to. This last episode ended in a way that I was like, "That's a nice." Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't okay. say I can't I can't say what happened in it because it might offend. These fucking these, these fucking these snowflakes, fucking these SJW snow simps. Actually, no, that they would actually support this. I don't know. Anyway, um, that's all I've done recently involving horror. Um, other than reading stuff for this Justin, this Justin, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Does it matter? Yeah, there's not going to be a thing this week because I uh, I've been having some computer problems. But you know what? That's just fucking that's showbiz. We got to get you a new computer. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon? No. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I, we'd like more money, but yeah. maybe, maybe not new computer money. <laughs> yeah. We're not fucking made of computers. So I guess we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, both these movies came out in 1986. So let's go with the one that came out earlier in 1986. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Osploitation film, Dead End Drive-In. This movie made me so nostalgic for the Mahoney Drive-In. Yeah. It should play. I don't know if it has played there. I think it, it has. I think, I think Neon Maniacs has too. It's possible. They if it f- did, I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see either one at the drive-in. Yeah. At the dr- that sounds like a good band name. Stop it. 
All right, we'll be right back to talk about Dead End Driving. Here now the news for July 4th, 1995. In the wake of widespread economic collapse, officials are reporting massive general strikes. In the 1970s, there was Clockwork Orange. Then in the 1980s came Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Now comes a startling new vision that takes you into the apocalypse and beyond. Back to the old drive-in you used to know and love. Only now, when the show is over, there is no way out. Dead End Drive-In. Right now, I'm not getting through to you, am I, son? No cabs, no buses, no transport. So, you're here, you're here, you're here. Government decides what to do with you. Government, 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 This is... You're hurt. You can't tell me that I want to get out. Come with me. God, Jimmy, can't you see? This is all we've got. Come with me. God, Jimmy, can't you see? This is all we've got. Get out of here. And don't you try and stop me again. Now get out of the way! Hey! Stop it! Stop it! Like it or not. Dead end drive in. And we are back to talk about 1986's Dead End Drive In. Written by Peter Smalley and Peter Carey. Directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Starring Ned Manning, Natalie McCurry, Peter Whitford, and, uh, you know, uh, Wilbur Wilde, Dave Gibson, Sandy Lillingston, Ollie Hall, a bunch of other people. Now, Liam, why did you pick this movie? Basically, it's a movie I really like that I hadn't gotten to see in a while, and I knew it was something that I didn't think you had seen before. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of thought it, it's it's it should be a classic. I think for some people it is. Again, I get that it's not sort of traditionally horror, but I think it's pretty horrific, some of the stuff that happens in it. And I don't know. I honestly feel like the only way I can get you to watch something if I recommend it is if we cover it on the podcast. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> so I really like this movie. Um, it had a feeling similar. There was a similar vibe in Neon Maniacs that it, it kind of had this feeling of almost like like a weird, strange dream logic. Like you'd have a nightmare about being at a drive-in where you couldn't leave. Yeah. And there's also something that's like strange about locations that you typically only go to at night, seen during the day. So all the scenes of the driving during the day are just like strange and like kind of off-putting. Yeah, they're they're almost upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> it's very bleak, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" The, the should we talk about what it's about for people who haven't seen? Oh yeah, so it's um, it takes place in Australia, and uh, it takes place in a near future, 1992 where the world economy has collapsed and like sh- everything sucks everything is fucking garbage and it's not just in australia the whole, the whole world, world is just a fu- it's like yeah. a it's like a shit heap it's not quite mad max but you know it's not far off from it and our main character is like this guy who's like a like a fitness dude right and he takes he goes out on a date with this with this girl he takes this girl on a date with his brother's like fucking prize it's a 56 56 Chevy I thought it was a 50, 58 Plymouth Fury, but, you know, what do I know? They go to the drive-in. Yeah. And whilst he and his companion are copulating, his 
tires get stolen by the fucking cops. Well, so the as the movie moves forward, we learn that the drive-in is basically working as a concentration camp. Yes. So when you come up, there's two prices. Either you're an adult and you can pay $10, or you're an unemployed and you can pay $3. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, some people have their tires taken and can't leave, and some people can leave. Interesting. Which do you think, guys? I think the employed people can leave. Exactly. There you go. Uh, and and uh, there's actually a very interesting... So the world that this is set in is a trash heap nightmare. Just, just everything is terrible. But this dude's trying to live his life like he's a normal human. Yeah. And this intro really shows us like he's running past like just random things are on fire. People are just breaking. Dogs are roaming the streets unleashed. He's attacked by these dudes who think they're in Mad Max even though things are not as bad as Mad Max. There's just a bunch of teenagers who are like, we'll just drive around and harass people. It's like like off-screen RoboCop bad. And no one is making, sort of the suggestion in the movie is no one's making new cars. So being a tow truck driver is like one of the few uh, uh, profitable professions. Because when there's a car accident, you just go and take the cars. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. You just claim the cars because those are valuable because no one's making new cars. So you have to get them. Uh, When they go to the drive-in, there's a security road. And I think this is the first place where I realized this movie's actually pretty smart, even though it's meant to be goofy. Uh, to be, I, I watched this film with uh, the commentary on, and Brian Trencher Smith, as this introduction was like, so I'm, I'm known for making films that uh, might have a heavy hand and a, and a goofy, uh, or might have a heavy way of exploring like social themes, uh, you know? And then he pauses, he goes, I'm also known for making very goofy films. All of my films are, are goofy. That's just, some of them are goofy in a subtle way, and some of them are just blatantly, unapologetically goofy. And, and it's up to you to decide which this is. Um, but, you know, the idea that, for those of you who don't know, a security road is a road that uh, closes at two ends onto which you cannot walk. You can only drive a car. Yes. And it's a method to separate communities. And very specifically... Brian Trenchard Smith in the commentary was like, this is, of course, a reference to Israel. This is how they separate Palestine is security roads. This, that's what this should remind you of. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Because I thought of that when I saw it the first time and thought, I'm over-intellectualizing this movie. No, what I thought was, was the way that, like, uh, once I realized what was going on, I was thinking, like, I mean, obviously, concentration camps jumped to mind. Like, I thought of, like, Doc Out and, like, Buchenwald, how they yeah, were, like, yeah. There were like towns around them, and the towns were like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just we're going to look the other way. Don't go down the yeah, security like, road. Like, there's all these people trapped at the drive in. And you can see houses in the distance. Maybe it's just a production thing. But the idea is like they're not moved to a desert, they're in a drive in yeah. n- near a city. And yet they can't leave, and no one comes for them. The only people who come are police officers to drop off more people or to uh, drop off cars for people to live in. <laughs> trashed cars so it's, it's like so you understand now what i'm saying when when this movie has a weird dreamlike flow to it well and it feels like in order to explore you know i think his reference for the film was a little bit of like a mad max vibe aesthetic yeah yeah but i think whether i don't for i didn't finish the whole commentary guys so from what i watched he never name checks brazil but it makes me think of brazil because it's very much like a horror of bureaucracy you're there, and the guy's just like, this is where you live now. Like, this is, like, like, what are you supposed to do? Well, my car, your car is broken, and you can't walk down the street. 
So what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I need car parts. Well, we don't have any fucking car parts. Well, I can't live at a drive-in. Sure you can. Here's some here's some coupons. <laughs> meal tickets. Here's some meal tickets. That's where the shower is. You live here now. Take care. You know, and people slowly adapt. Like the 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 sort of um uh her, I, I, it's crazy because the movie opens with like two big action sequences, really, two drive action sequences. Yeah, yeah. In a very Australian these people are putting themselves in physical danger sort of way. You know, there, there's a there's a whole scene in a train yard where these people are trying to steal our main character's car. He's a delivery guy, and they're trying to steal his car, and they're attacking him. And it's all very Australian, driving through things. You know people's lives were in danger. When oh, yeah, you know, there, there was no permits. Were, they were scoffed at. Yeah, but it, despite all that action stuff, the movie really starts when he gets stuck at the drive-in, and the whole thing is like a horrific pantomime. You yes. You know? You are in a horror situation. You are now trapped at the drive-in. And of course, the other people who are trapped at the drive-in are also unemployed young people. Who were fucking fucking nightmare people. There's a sense in which the drive-in is the place to get young people, right? Like, they specifically, even though they know people are trapped here, all the food is designed to be appealing to young people. All the movies are shitty action movies. Granted, they're Bryant Trenchant Smith movies. Were those, they really? Yeah, those are the ones he could get. Oh. He could get the rights to, right? But also, there's a scene... When they first get there, they're watching some sort of war movie. I say some sort of war movie, like I don't know the name of the movie, but uh, it's a movie called Turkey Shoot. And there's a scene in Turkey Shoot that was cut out for American audiences where someone blows up. Okay. He put that in this movie. That's awesome. But because it was up on the screen, it got past did censors. You, did you also see the um, the banner for the movie in the very beginning when 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 Homeboy stops at the gas station? Sure. It was like Rambo 6, Rambo Goes to Russia. Yeah, Ram, 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 I believe it is literally Rambo 8, Rambo Takes Russia. Russia. Yes, yes. Single-handedly takes yeah. Russia. Yeah, he, he's, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, well, we're kind of all over the place. Let me just finish the plot. Hang on a so, second, real, real quick. While we're on the subject of Rambo, I just yeah. want to ask you this. Have you seen the new commercial for Geico starring Dolph, Dolph Lundgren? No. He's in like therapy. Yeah. I think it's Geico. And yeah. his therapist like, oh, we're working through this. Is he in despite the fact like you're... He's like, dude has like a smoothie and then he's like, you know, you're on a real rocky road. And as soon as he says rocky, he just like crushes the smoothie. <laughs> it's so fucking perfect. <laughs> um, okay. So as we've sort of alluded to, he's trapped at a drive-in. Everyone acts like he's crazy for not wanting to be trapped at a drive-in. They're just like, this is where you live now. Um, the only part that makes me a little comfortable, his girlfriend completely adjusts. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that's meant to be disrespectful to women. I just, just think it's meant to be like, if they're in cahoots, then his situation is less dire. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So anyways, his, his, you know, she wants to adjust. He doesn't want to adjust. He just feels like none of this is working for him. Um, the the guy who's running the place is trying to, like, get him on his side. The people who live there just immediately are, like, kind of attacking him. and, and They're whatever. bogans. Yeah. And finally, he gets an opportunity to like make a break for it and he makes a break for it and that's kicks ass everywhere that's the whole that's the whole movie it's pretty simple the what happens while he's at the drive-in is really what the movie's about you could say there's action at the front there's action at the end in the middle is where the actual movie is where all the thought went into the movie yes into the script and stuff this movie had a weirdly touching ending first off this movie was really fucking good yeah in case it hasn't been clear like I already love this movie and it, I watched it randomly. This was like the first time I watched this movie was for when I was writing for Synapse, C I N A P S E. And we just had a comment that was like, pick a random thing on Netflix you've never seen. 
And this movie was on Netflix. No shit. This is like 2013, maybe. Cool. And I just was like, yeah, I'll watch this. Put it on and was like, what the fuck was that? And when Arrow then, like within a year, Arrow was like, we're putting out a deluxe Blu-ray of Dead End Drive-In. And I was like, okay. Purchase. Yes. Full purchase, please. Send that to my house wrapped in plastic. And that's what they did. Um, It just surprised me. Now, I shouldn't be surprised. This director, I, no, okay, if you go look up his filmography right now, chances are the things on it you know as a horror person you might be bummed on, like Leprechaun 2. He did Leprechaun 2? No, 3, I'm sorry. Leprechaun 3. Is that in the hood? No, no. That's, that's in Vegas. I think so. Ugh. And then he did Leprechaun in Space. And then he also did, uh, well, some people like it, but Night, Night of the Demons 2. Better than Leprechaun in Space. Sure. Uh, And then a few other things that look like trash. However, if you know him, you might know his Australian movies that I have seen, which include BMX Bandits, which I am a huge fan of. Uh, We even sold BMX Bandits shirts for Rough Cut because we love that movie so much. Uh, The Man from Hong Kong, which is one of my favorite uh, martial arts movies, even though it's Australian. weirdly this is what i think is so funny about the man from hong kong this asian man from hong kong who is looking for someone in australia regularly runs into racist australians who make jokes about this man's penis constantly they're making jokes and you'd think man brian Turner smith is racist against asians except for then every white woman this man meets wants to fuck him that's also racist sure but the point is well technically it is but oh. it's going against the stereotype. You know, the desexualization of Asian men. The The choice is pretty good. I actually think you're wrong. I actually think this uh, is very good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying, oh, just go on. I haven't seen it, so I can't critique it. Well, in the sense that he's, the stereotype that we have in the Hollywood is that Asian men don't have sex, which, by the way, doesn't make any sense. Then how are there so many children? But every American movie, Western movie, Asian men don't have sex. They don't even own penises. They, 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 no one looks at them sexually. No, but what's his face in Revenge of the Nerds wanted to have sex? Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's a very good critique. Crit- I won't do the voice. I just yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like they're totally desexualized. Yeah. And so, and granted, this is a movie in the seventies, so I don't know how comp- I don't know how complex his filmmaking is. But I think it's really telling that like all these white dudes are like this fucking guy he's such a little guy but he's he can't take care of the ladies and he's like well okay and then the next scene some woman's like so uh you want to have sex and he's like yeah okay and then he like bangs these ladies and they're all like well you're great and he's like yeah and it, I, I, I i i maybe it's a coincidence maybe brian Trencher smith is like i don't know we'll put sex in the movie it's fine i'm like but maybe <laughs> maybe he's like oh sure 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 think whatever you want i mean he beats up everyone Including a very young Sam Mohung, which made me very happy when the first time I saw it. On the, by the way, the big red rock that I don't think you're supposed to go on in Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have a fight scene on the red rock thing. Yeah, they broke a law. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. several. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just two I really like. He's done a bunch of other stuff that I really like, too. So, uh, point is, I didn't know who this dude was. I didn't know these movies were connected in any way. Uh, I was only in doing this podcast, and I was like, oh, shit. This dude's done a lot of good stuff. Like, what the <laughs> heck? And then he's done stuff like Leprechaun 3. Um, anyways, I, I just think it's, there's just something like, first of all, the movie looks very good. Like the art des- the the art design, set design, whatever you, whatever it is, art direction, I guess you would call it, is stellar in this movie. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Like for no money, this is a $2 million film. Like, 
I'm assuming they, 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 they just, I mean, it can't, I mean, like they probably had little to no overhead just because it's all in one setting. You know, how much could it cost to rent a, uh, a drive-in? Well, I guess, but I mean, there's still a lot of like, you know, stunts and there's True. a lot of costuming and there's like, I believe he said 400 wrecked cars in that drive-in. I stand corrected. It's just, a, you know what I mean? I just think they accomplish, it feels like a real world. They shot this in Sydney and this is like, it feels like they're actually in a dystopian future. Yeah, like, it doesn't movie, feel fake. It, um... I'm, I'm I'm just blown away by how like I, I said I even said to Liam like I don't understand how this movie wasn't bigger when it came out like '86 like America was in the grips of Crocodile Dundee fever. You'd oh think, God! You'd think yeah. they would be like thirsting for more Australian films. I think I think the uh, at least I don't even think it did well in Australia. Like I think it got squished by. I think he said something on the commentary about it getting squished by the distributor. They just didn't believe in the movie. That sucks. And so it had a very limited release. <sighs> And it's a shame because it's it's really solid. I I think the performance by our main dude is great. He is an everyman in the way that you sort of want him to be. Yes. And granted, he wants to get the fuck out of there, and he's willing to do what he has to do to do that. But other than that, he's entirely likable. Like he has no ill will towards anyone. In fact, he is the only person with any sort of real moral compass in this movie because about like the third act is all about how they show up with these literal truckloads of Asians and suddenly these fucking people that live in a destitute camp are like they live in a drive-in they, li- <laughs> they live in a drive-in they literally have to eat hamburgers for every and fucking, fucking banana meal. fritters and yeah. yeah so they're like shitting on these like, Asian people there and he's like no like they're they're no yeah. like at one point he witnesses a man being bullied in the bathroom he like stands up and like the thing to keep in mind too I think watching this is that um, this is the thing in Australia. Like Australia is a continent of white people yeah. in the midst of Asia. They've been transplanted from the prisons of England to yes. this this giant continent, and they act like they belong there in a way that don't folks get- who actually live in Asia don't. And there have been horrific. Like when you watch this, it would be really easy to write it off as like, oh, it's just schmaltzy. Like, uh, to be clear, this is very much a metaphor for how poverty tends to work which is you smush together a bunch of troublesome poor white people you put them in a way where they can't really do anything like the the immediate reflections of this for any project or ghetto that you've seen you know i mean except for ones that are more racialized because this is a bunch of white people but still the idea is like you put all these poor people together then you add the other and suddenly these folks are entirely frothing at the mouth about these Asians who are sharing your prison camp. You yeah. live in a... <laughs> yes, they show movies and you can get free burgers and there are video games. Uh, and you can get... The, but but the, again, this is part of the pacifying them. They also put drugs... You know, this is like... I, I really think he thought, what would a uh, camp for Australia's disaffected youth that was designed to keep them there well, we'll show them shitty movies, give them shitty food, and then have an underground of like drugs and the pill. And that will keep everything in line. And then part of the way to keep them in line, I think, is introducing this this element, which is they're basically Vietnamese refugees. And um, for non-Australian audiences, you have to understand, in the 80s, there were massive riots. Like uh, Because of The Watchmen, everyone knows about <coughs> uh, Black Wall Street. And yeah. how this part, this affluent black community was destroyed by angry white people. 
This happened in Australia. That's in be, Asian communities all the time. That was going to be my next question. Was was there? I mean, I w- was there a history of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reoccurring violence against? Oh yeah. Um, this is another thing people miss. If you've ever seen the very upsetting Australian film Romper Stomper, oh Jesus, uh, that is not an exaggeration. That is a depiction of what things were like in Australia. Huh. Uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind with Australia, uh, and again, actual Australian listeners, of which I think we have like two, feel free to tell me I'm full of shit. But my understanding from what I've read is that Australia has tended to be more conservative. And when they've had issues, I mean, obviously the primary issue, just like our primary issues with Native Americans, is with the uh, Native people there, you know, the Aboriginal people. Or oh, my God. The first, the first folks, really, who really, that, that's where they live. The, that's where most of the horror comes from. But there have been waves of immigrants to Australia, and they have not always been met positively, which is a real understatement because there's been massive riots and murders and burning down of neighborhoods. This is like part of their history. And, and that can sound horrific to us. That's more of our history, too, than we're willing to admit. Yeah. We just, you know, whatever. It's, it's you know, anyways, the point is, um, I read about some of the stuff. I remember the first time I saw Romper Stopper, and I was like, what a weird caricature of what it's like to be around Nazis. Like, this never gets this crazy. And then just a, just a wee bit of time on the internet, and I was like, nope, oh, here's a bunch of articles about shit way worse than actually happened in <laughs> Australia. So never mind. So him tubbing on this topic is not just like an exploitation, like, let's just make things complicated. I think it's very much like he has an axe to grind. He's trying to make a point. Yeah, yeah. And the point isn't just about how racist Australians are, which is part of it, but it's also how blind these people are to the fact that they live in a fucking prison. And they're, yeah, they're they're being, um, it's such a transparent attempt to just keep them sort of like down and out, I guess. Right. Because they're so mad about these folks who've done nothing to them other than be there, and they know for a fact that the like the, it, it's not like they don't know. Like they're right. they know that the fucking cops stole their shit. Right. They know they're being held down by a white guy, and yet right. they're like these fucking Asians. Yeah. Except these, I was being polite when I said Asians. Yeah, they say a bunch of. I, I will say, content warning. They say racist things, though. Uh, though for most people, uh, knowing. That there's a movie in which white people say racist things. It's kind of like, well, they're already. This so. is very. This is like, um, creatively racist things. Right. right <laughs> this is like. Right. But I, but I think like the caricature there is real. And what's funny is this movie almost got whatever the Australian version of a X or NC seventeen is. It almost got that, and the censor was like, "Well, there's a lot of negative attitudes in the film," and the director had to be like, "Right, that's what the movie's about." Which you you don't think we're endorsing. Yeah, yeah. You are aware that this is a criticism, correct? Uh, and to me, it is because uh, it's really obvious that the only rational human... Part of what makes this a nightmare scenario is that we have someone to latch onto who's going, this is a nightmare scenario. Like, our whole world are people who are like, man, this is what it is, man. We live at this drive-in, and I guess we'll just beat each other up and be at the drive-in and whatever, and watch whatever crappy movies every night. But the fact that we have our guy who's like, this is nuts, and I'm going to do everything I can to change it. Makes the rest of it more nightmare. Yeah, if it, he just adapted, it wouldn't be nightmarish at all. No, it's it's definitely the best case, or one of the best cases I've ever seen of audience surrogate in a movie. Right. Uh, this film does very a very good job at like putting the audience in the film through this character because he's he he doesn't ever get despaired or used to it. Right. Like he's constantly just like what the fuck are these people do? like wh- wh- when uh, and that's why I think the role uh, again I 
I think some people might be bummed because it, it's it's a little frustrating to have an, another movie where we have this strong independent male and then like a female character who's like our, our major female character who's kind of like go along to get along. Like I could see that yeah. being a bummer. But I think it works in the film because the point of it is not for make her seem bad. She's I, I don't think the point is that she's a, a horrible person. It's that she adjusts. And yeah. so we see the difference to see like, Oh, these people are adjusting to their conditions. And the most upsetting part is when she's like, Well, this is just all we get. Like we can't this is this is our lot in life. Yeah, yeah. And you're watching it going, The drive in is your lot in life. But then having him also be like, You think this this is the lot this is what we have to what are you talking about? It does like it, it also does a good job of like sort of absorbing conflicting viewpoints because at one point he's right. talking about he's talking to these like guys in the washroom. And then one guy's like, yeah, I was a fucking, I don't know, school dropout. My friends and I robbed like a convenience store before we came here. And then we came here and now we get like free junk food and we don't have to leave. Like, why, why would I leave? And the guy's like, you just don't get it. Which is, I understand both points of view. Like there, there, there are certainly going to be people there who are just like, are you shitting me? They give me food for free. I don't have to worry about anything. Like, why the fuck would I leave? Well, and you know, it's important to keep in mind too that like, it's in that sense it's a movie about under the right conditions people will put up with all kinds of horror you know they'll put up with all kinds of terrible things and yeah. so the world he's a, he, the world he has been taken away from is also bad yeah. like the first night he's out running some jerk offs in a car just try to beat him up they try to throw a, a dagger star at him for no yeah, reason which he artfully dodges yeah he's very good at that. over what and why do they do it for his fucking shoes they want his shoes which aren't even that cool no um so the the, the but i think the idea that like a there's the surface thing of like what would it be like if the world was so bad that this is one of the ways that you know we'll deal with youth you know, and 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 reflects, I think, a real attitude. You know, nineteen eighty six, and a lot of people are having towards young people. Like, yeah, they're all trouble. They're all shiftless losers. You know, so fuck them. Just put them. Just get them out of the world. You know, but also then in that context, I mean, if anything, this should build class solidarity. These are a bunch of oppressed young people who are being told by the government you don't matter and their response is man i don't think we matter very much huh i guess we gotta stay at the fucking drive-in yeah you know and i think in that it's heavy-handed like let's be clear this is not a subtle commentary this is not a art film you know he's well aware he's making an exploitation movie it is rather the kind of movie where you're like all right how do i make an entertaining exploitation movie with barely justified nudity only a little bit of it, but but enough yeah. that, that you get the youth market, you yeah. know? Uh, and then lots of even more unnecessary car chases, crashes, explosions, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but then has something to say, even if it's only a little bit of something to say. And I fucking love that so much. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a jarring shift when, 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 they, when, when they go, they start going full sort of like, class commentary on you but it's still i don't know it's 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 just such a this is such an enjoyable movie and i guess that's that's really all i can say about it is you know i trusted liam i trust him he wouldn't he wouldn't recommend a bad movie but this this was a it's not at all what i thought it was going to be yeah what were you thinking it was going to be i thought it was going to be sort of like a um, i thought it was going to be like an australian version of that rob zombie movie where it's the fucking people on Halloween night, 
31. I didn't see it. Oh, that's what I thought it was going to be like, where people, they have to like, they go to the drive and to watch a movie and they're like, you have to fight 40 uh, kangaroos to yeah, escape yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 and yeah. then that's what, I, that's what I thought it was going to be like. Yeah. I mean, I kind of went in the first time I saw it thinking it would be, you know what I was thinking? And this isn't a judgment on that movie, but it, it, but I often associated this movie with Blood Diner. Yes. And so I thought it would be something like more like Blood Diner, you know, it's just a gory, over-the-top, gross, whatever, and it's not that. It does have a similar uh, poster design to Blood Diner. Yeah, I think that was part of why I, th- I associated it with Blood Diner. Gotcha. Also, it's all neon. Like, let's when I talk about the art design, too, I don't, you know, A, there's a ton of graffiti in this movie, and let's keep in mind, it's 1986, and so watching the special features, I learned that they had to hire some, like, what was new in 19, I mean, 1986, America's pretty much like, oh, you guys know about rap? Like, people are like, there's this new thing called rap. You guys know about rap? But 1986 in Australia, it was just starting. Like, they were just like, let's let's go bomb some stuff. Let's go do whatever. And so uh, there's this awesome thing, if you do get the Blu-ray, where there's a story from the, there was one guy who was like the graffiti guy on this movie. Yeah. And a week after this wrapped, he... Uh, was part of like the first big gathering of graffiti artists of Australia. It's like we're all going to get together and like bomb and like be like a group of people doing the, yeah, the yeah. sort of cutting edge graffiti in Australia. And someone ratted them out and it was raided by the cops. What? And my man got arrested with like, uh, folks might not know this, but there was a point in our history, and this might be true now. I, I'm not connected to that world. There's a point in our history, if you got arrested, and you had spray paint, they'd be like, well, uh, the probable cause, you're going to jail, you owe us this much. <laughs> like, for real. It was a big thing. In fact, I personally know of people who had to move from Philadelphia because they got arrested when someone else got arrested and people thought they snitched and blah, 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 and they were going to get beat up over graffiti beef. So that's a real thing. So uh, this dude's story is like, he's like, I had cans on me, so that's it, I'm going to jail. But he also had the check from the movie yeah yeah for our, you know not a ton of money yeah. but a ton of money to him. 900 dollar reduce yeah yeah so he i think it was more than that and so he he like basically like bribed his way out of going to jail with the money from the movie that's crazy that's a good story yeah it's pretty good anyways point being it looks crazy but then there's also all this unnecessary fog like all the police cars are lit the, all the police cars are trucks and they're lit in the back, and they have smoke coming out of them. Yeah. Now, why do they have smoke? Because it's mysterious. He literally goes, it looks cool. It looks really cool. Same thing with all the neon lights. There's neon lights everywhere. Everything is always wet. It's like a John Carpenter movie. Everything's always wet (laughs) at night. There's neon everywhere. It just looks... I just think both the art design and the cinematography in this movie, there's no reason for a movie with this low a budget that is, in a sense, this much of a silly B-movie to look as good as it does. Oh, no. And so when you combine the look of it and the art of it with then him actually being like, okay, it's a fucked up drive-in, you're stuck at the drive-in, but also let's comment on the racism of poor Australian people. Let's just make that part of the movie. And you're like, oh, okay. And then when he does it, it works. And yeah. part of the reason it works is because there's no like slow motion crying Asian children, which would you know, what people would usually go for. Yeah. We just get to see white people being stupid. Like ha- hold, holding meetings and being like, they're going to rape all women. They're literally they're literally in the room at the drive-in where the video games are. <laughs> <laughs> well, having a, pub- a man with a bullet. Yeah. Like, like these people are costume punks, by the way. <laughs> when we say they're degenerates, we don't mean like 
if you're thinking white trash, it's not that. These are costume punks. And they're like, like Ninja they're Turtle go, villains. They're, they're going to rape all women. Don't, 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 you better believe it. And you're like, oh, man, these are terrible people. Anything else to say about uh, Dead End Driving? I mean, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. I think it is, again, it's more fun than scary. Yeah. But it's not like a horror, horror film. But I think horror fans would like it. It's definitely an exploitation film. And I think it becomes like a weird... I don't know what the term would even be, but a weird sort of like horror, uh, horrific comedic scenario uh, for the middle of the movie. The very ending, the very end reminded me of like if The Warriors was like a, a horror movie. I don't know why. Well, there's a sort of like a triumph to it. There's like a bittersweetness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's also the, the funny thing is like, again, he's escaping to go back shit. to his life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like in the Warriors when Swan's like, we're going to go back to this. Like, this is what we fought for. This is what yeah. people died for. It's yeah. like Coney Island. Yeah. And in this one, it's like he escapes. It's not like fucking what's-his-face in Breaking Bad at the last episode. We're like, hey, he has millions of dollars. We'll be fine. This one's like, so he he's going to go back to his family who, what? Yeah. Go eat some spaghetti. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, To be fair, Coney Island's got them hot dogs, though, so... They do. Leo Danello approves of Coney Island's hot dogs. I think. Uh, I think uh, at the end of that movie, they cut off just before the one guy goes, "Hey, what hey, about the fucking hot, hot dogs? dogs?" And they go, "You're right. It was worth it for the hot dogs." That's exactly how it is. Let's ends. go get some dogs. Do they call them dogs? No, I don't know. I don't actually know anything about my knowledge of any culture outside of Philadelphia. Is pretty much zero. It's what you've made up. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know there were some. Uh, I know there were some uh, horrible racist attacks in Australia in the eighties. That's about it. I know it's warm there during Christmas. That's weird. So it's warm and there's racism. That's what you know about Australia. It's warm in the winter, is what I'm saying. Okay. When we have winter. Yeah. Not when they have winter, obviously. Okay. So you know nothing about Australia. I mean, criminals. I guess is that the thing. Uh, it's real empty in the middle because of the big desert thing. The outback. The outback. Interesting. That's what I got. Uh, there's uh, uh, I I watched the thing about the Aboriginal metal bands, the metal gangs. You know about this? I don't, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, there's these like really small communities, and someone introduced like metal, and then the guys are really into metal, but like they don't have any instruments, so they just play metal CDs and like headbang at each other and shit. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's like really cool. <laughs> I'm gonna look into that. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about another 1986 film, Neon Maniacs. Maniacs. Released under the original title, Evil Dead Warriors. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, wow. We'll be right back. You're telling me that these things are inside the Golden Gate Bridge. One. Two. That they only come out at night. That they're responsible for the death of 15 or more kids and three of my police officers. <laughs> Let me ruin your evening The stranger said to me Your new lover My old there you lover Come on, Sue, it's quiet They think they're going to live forever what, she told me. what are you doing? But they're in for a terrible surprise. Now, there are 12 new reasons. Over here! 
afraid of the dark. They're after me. And every one of them is a killer. Introducing in diabolical order Axe, Hangman, Doc, Biker, Slash, Juice, Samurai, Mohawk, Archer, Soldier. These are the Neon Maniacs. They live so others may die. Neon Maniacs. And we are back to talk about 1986's Neon Maniacs. Neon Maniacs. You guys missed it. Liam confused reindeer and kangaroos just Stop now. Stop it. That's not... Come on. How is that not true? Because... You were describing Wake and Fright and you were like, yeah, and then these guys, they go out and shoot some reindeer. I mean, kangaroos. <laughs> That's not a real confusion. That's... My brain said the wrong thing. That's, That's the definition of confusion. No, a confusion is when you actually think one is the same as the other. I know those are not the same things. You know what? You know what? I'm not the one who said it. You know what? I got Rona brain, all right? I got that Rona brain. Okay. Liam is going to... Okay. So, Neon Maniacs is a curious film. San Francisco. San Francisco. And I say it's curious because there's um, there's no neon in it. No. The name seems entirely arbitrary. Yeah. Like I said, when I... Mean, I they're maniacs. There are definitely maniacs. I guess you could argue the slime they leave behind. It was vaguely neon. It's bright. I don't know if it was neon. I wouldn't say it was. That's something. Ne- the neon dead is what I th- what I think of the neon maniacs. So this movie is about um, there's these people and they're fucking they're fucking in the park by the Golden Gate Bridge. Just a lot of fucking, by the way. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and then they get attacked by these fucking goblin monsters that come out of the Golden Gate Bridge. Let's be clear though. Before that, we're introduced to the goblin monsters trading cards. Which is the weirdest oh, yes. part of the movie. Yeah. Which is why I was making the Garbage Pail Kids connection. Yeah. They were definitely leaning into that. And when we say goblin monsters, we don't mean, like, it's, it's, they're not like a horde of homogenous goblin monsters. No, they're each individual characters with their own design and style. Yeah. All vastly different, too. Yeah. There's a samurai guy. There's a wolf boy. There's a soldier who just looks like a cop. Yeah. There's a weird doctor guy. Not unlike Dr. Fink from the, from, from the revolution. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Um, and then there's like a... Crossbow dude. Crossbow dude, plant creature, hangman. Yes, yes. Uh, whole fucking shitload of characters. And our protagonists are this... That, that girl looks like so adorable. Yeah, she's in other stuff. She, like, when, when that... In the very first scene when the dog comes up and sees... That was just so cute. That was so... Uh, that was weirdly adorable. And then her boyfriend, her hunky boyfriend. And then this girl... That's sort of the, there's like a horror movie nostalgia aspect. There's like a little girl who's obsessed with horror movies. But she, was she a little girl? She's like their age. She's in high school with them. Oh, I thought the idea was she was a, like a middle schooler and they're seniors. Yeah, but she, I mean, that might have been what they were going for. But what I saw was girl that was just weird and awkward. What I saw was an actress who's actually a teenager interacting with clearly 30-year-olds. <laughs> 
who just happened to be in high school. You know how these 80 movies, it, yeah. the way 80s movies justified the fact that they were all horny for underage kids, that all these movies were like, here's people you can't have sex with being sexy, is then they cast actual 30-year-olds in those roles. Yeah, okay. Uh, except for this kid who is actually a kid, and there's and all of her friends are actually kids. Uh, and I don't know if that means they're in middle school. I don't know if it means they're freshmen. They never get into it. All you need to know is she's not into park sex like everyone else apparently is. Are we talking about the main character? Well, she she just didn't have a boy for park sex. But she's, she, she's also a virgin. Sure, but the point is the little kid who's into horror movies is too young to be with her friends in the park fucking. Yeah. This woman is not necessarily in the movie's viewpoint too young because all these high schoolers want to fuck in the park apparently. That's disgusting. That's the thing that they do is just go to the park to fuck. <sighs> so much as our last movie did, this movie had a similar feel to it. And I don't, when I say dreamlike, I don't mean like David Lynch dream. I mean, this movie felt like it had the the random, the random non sequitur logic that dreams often have, in which like it's it would be like if I had a dream where me and Liam went for a ride to the Amity the the Asbury Park Music Hall, sure, to see Shyhalud, and it was Matt Fox the singer, yeah, whatever singer that is, yeah, and then a drum machine. Jay Pepito. Jay Pepito, <laughs> and then you and me, yeah, in a fucking arena, right. Moshing. By the way, that's not it. That's not that. That's unlikely. Not quite impossible. No. Yeah. That's. And then, like, I don't know. Um, my high school teacher would show up and start screaming at me, and it would upset me. And then, because I've been having nightmares about werewolves lately, werewolves would attack. That's how this movie feels. Like it has this like strange. Okay, there's teenagers in the park, fucking fingering and getting the third base, and then. Monsters attack, monsters attack them. And where are the monsters from? Under the Golden Gate Bridge. And what stops the monsters? Water. Yeah, it's not evident right away. But eventually it it's becomes clear that water, they don't like water. Yeah, they, they don't they like melt. Water. Yeah. That feels like a, like a dream you would have. Like a, like that, that feels like a dream that like... Yeah, well, I, I think it's good to draw a distinction here between these two movies because there's a dream logic a little bit to Dead End Drive-In because... It's crazy to think like he's the only one who sees how fucked up all yeah. this shit is. There's a crazy dream logic to Neon Maniacs in that there's no logic because <laughs> the film barely exists. It yes, the film. This is a classic running out of like this film suffered from two issues. One is constantly running out of money to the extent that while we're introduced to a a virtual brigade of maniacs like a huge team of ma- like yeah you could you could make money if you had a toy for all the maniacs and this movie had taken off you'd have some money you'd make some money by the end there's like four maniacs and maybe five and they're basically the same dude in the different outfits like not only are they, are they the same maniacs but they become like slightly they become less and less creative like that's when we meet the yeah. surgeon maniac yeah that's when we meet Caveman Maniac. It feels like some of the more distinctive maniacs are killed off at certain points so that they don't have to have them later in the yes, movie. Yes, that's exactly what it's... Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of famous for that. Like The thing to keep in mind is this movie barely exists. Even once it was finished, which I hope you could hear the scare quotes I put around finished, <laughs> when this movie was finished, yeah. completed, um, it didn't even have distribution. This is one of those films that was rescued by trauma. That when when trauma first started, it wasn't just 
the horrible ideas of Larry Kaufman. That a bunch Lloyd of Lloyd Kaufman. Lloyd, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of their movies were this is a movie that no one wants, so we're gonna put it out there in the world. And this was one of those movies. It it you know, you can't have an unfinished movie and usually find a distributor to go, sure, I'll pay for this to go around <laughs> the world. Now uh, here here he, here's a question. Um, you had mentioned that I wasn't going to like the way this movie looked. Right. Someone on Instagram, I forget who it was, had mentioned that the whoever was in charge of lighting in this movie should yeah. be fired and never allowed to work ever again in a movie. Yeah. Is that because they kept, it was on such an uneven shooting schedule, do you think? No, I mean, let, let's be clear too. Where did you, where did you watch this? Movie? I watched it on Tubi. The version that I watched was on Amazon Prime. Okay. So I think we probably watched similar versions. Though. Yeah. Looks better than when I first watched this movie, which was on Fandor like six years ago. I think it's a different version. I think they updated this movie, and it looks a little better. Okay. But when I tell you it looks a little better, think about what shit I saw. <laughs> there are parts in the park that you cannot see a single thing in the version that I saw. Oh, yeah. You it's can, just black. You can barely see it in this version. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's poor lighting. I mean, guys, when you shoot at night, there's a reason that when you don't have a lot of money, you do a thing that maybe you guys have heard of called day for night. Day for night means you shoot in the day and you just don't light it enough. And then you turn down the uh, the the whatever it is to make it look dark. Because you can't afford to shoot it. Now. Yeah, westerns did, westerns did that a lot. And, yeah, uh, Shriek of the Mutilated did it. That yeah, terrible yeah. Yeti movie we watched. Yeah, the reality is it's it's expensive, and so whenever they shot in this park, which I assume was actually night, they just didn't light it very well. It looks bad, and part of the reason I think it's noticeable that it looks bad is that other parts. If the whole movie was like that, like if you see low budget VHS films, like let's say Canada's Own Science Crazed, every woman in Science Crazed looks like shit. It was made by people who don't know how to make movies on <laughs> bad VHS, and then it wasn't even preserved well for you to see it. So it looks bad. For me, a movie that looks bad all the way through, I'm kind of like, all right, well, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, I don't love it, but it is what it is. Um, parts of Neon Maniacs look like a normal movie. Yeah. Such that when you're watching the other part, you're going, what the fuck are they got? It's especially noticeable because you have that early park scene. And you can barely distinguish any of the maniacs in the dark park. Yeah. But then you have the subway scene, and you're going, look, we're getting a few full view of all the maniacs. Yeah, there's we're some good-looking the, maniacs. We got, got all the maniac details. Yeah. Like, why didn't we see the maniacs in the park? Yeah. It wasn't because the design was bad on the maniacs. It wasn't their makeup was bad. It was that no one was like, guys, we need more lights out here. We're not now, getting it. Don't don't say that the design wasn't bad on the maniacs. I love the maniac design. I will say, I think it's meant to be corny. I really do. You truly think it was meant to be corny? I think that's why we have the the classic horror girl. This is meant to be. We're doing our own version of like freaky monsters. You know. Okay. It's not. Let's be clear. This is not like Samurai Cop or or not even Samurai Cop, but Kabuki, whatever. I, I'm thinking of Trauma. This is not like a. This it's is not, not a trauma movie. It's not a trauma movie. It's not like, whoa, look at this crazy latex I have on. Yeah, yeah. But it's also not like Dead Alive either. Like this is not like, you know, Masters of Gore showing you their. You know what I mean? Like yeah. To a certain extent, movies like Dead Alive or some other like super gore. You know, let's or like uh, Street Trash. Like these are movies that exist. Because someone's like very good at that shit. And yeah. Like let's let's show people how good we are at this. 
this is not that. This was these are some fun designs, and I think that. But it's also hard to say because the the problems playing in this movie are not just budget. The people didn't get along. Like there was issues on set. Really, part of what I read about this movie, and again, granted, y'all, the, I don't think anyone has a full story from what I understand. I've never read a complete, but what I've read suggests that the conflicts were also on the production side. That people weren't getting along. That was some of the issue with the money, and that even the release of the movie was controversial. Like people, some people involved with the movie were like, "It's not ready," and there's all this stuff. Hmm. So I think it's the conflict plus. Always running out of money. <laughs> they ran out of money like four times on this movie. It took so long to finish. Yeah. And it doesn't end. This movie doesn't have an ending. <laughs> I love the part how they're like, if we go in there and there's no fucking maniacs, you're all in a shitload of trouble. And then they go in there, by they I mean the police, and by in there I mean the fucking Brook- the Brooklyn Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. They walk in, there's nothing in there. And they walk out and they're like, you kids get out of here. You just yeah. f- made this like very specific threat. Like that was where like that was where a lot of the um I don't want to say drama, but I guess conflict came from. Yeah. Was that like these kids knew for a fact, objectively, that there were neon maniacs coming out of the Golden Gate Bridge to to, to fucking kill people. And then they had to prove it to the cops. And the cops were like, You better be telling the truth or else. And you're like, oh shit, like I hope the fucking maniacs are in there. I mean, but the maniac like uh, to be clear with y'all. Kids are disappearing. There should be piles of corpses. There are no corpses. No. There, there is only slime and kids going, well, it was, it was maniacs. It was maniacs. We saw them. You guys, it was maniacs. And then even, so the movie climaxes into this dance, which the dance is actually, so I think the subway sequence is done very well and actually is combines like some real tension of like- Oh, yeah, yeah. Away with humor, right? Yeah. The maniac driving the train is a funny gag. It doesn't go anywhere. Because the maniac should crash the train into something, but that never happens. <laughs> yeah. We just move on. But uh, but it's very good. But my favorite part is the high school scene because they're like, okay, these things are hurt by water. That's easy. We'll give everyone water guns. Maniacs show up. The maniacs are fucked. This doesn't work at all. No. They have a room full of armed teenagers with water guns. One maniac shows up and they're all the kids are like, oh, fuck. And they just run away. Look. I hate the Steve McQueen version of the blob, but the fucking teenagers in that yeah. had more sense than these fucking kids did. And they, there was like four fire extinguishers versus the blob, and they were like, we're going to fucking go toe-to-toe with yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. This one, they're all armed with the one thing they know objectively can kill the maniacs. There's like 40 kids versus six maniacs. Two of those kids have fire hoses. Yeah, The maniacs show up, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we supposed to do? Let's run. <laughs> It's just adding, it, it turns into chaos. And I'm like, for me, that's like the perfect, like, yeah, this is what would happen, though. They don't, like, the second danger happens, they're like, oh, fuck. I don't, let's, all right. Because that's how life is. It's yeah. Like, I thought we were prepared, but we were not prepared for this, you know? Not prepared for maniacs. Uh, but I mean, okay, tell these, uh, uh, we spoil things on this show all the time, but I think we have to get really specific here. Describe for the audience, how does this movie actually end? The movie ends. With the affirmation threatening by the kids that if you kids are lying, you're fucked. If we don't find anything there, you kids are fucked. They don't find anything in there. The chief of the police is like, all right, get out of here. The kids leave. Stupid chief goes back inside the bro- the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. And there was... Now, was I alone in thinking that you're also like, oh, he's in cahoots with the maniacs? 
That's, I did think that for a second. That's what I thought. I, I thought he's like, all right, you guys can come out now. And the maniacs are like, yeah, chief, thanks. Instead, what happens is there's like an ice cream truck or an ambulance. Uh-huh. And he opens the door. This like weird light flashes out. And the one inhuman maniac with the one eye, like a Cyclops maniac, yeah. pulls him in. And then it's just fucking credits. That's it. That's the movie. That's how the movie ends. No resolution. We never, okay, so the, uh, me and Justin have argued about what this movie is about or what the maniacs are, but it's important to be clear that this is a fun argument. Yes. It's not an argument about one of ours comprehension, because the film at no point tries to help you understand why anything is happening. Which I'm, I'm oftentimes okay with. Sure. I don't even necessarily, that's a criticism, but what I'm saying is this is the most extreme example of shit happens. <laughs> You just have to be okay with it. It never wraps up, and then the movie is over. Yeah, because it's it's not like um, I guess it's more noticeable to me because it doesn't feel intentional. No, it feels sloppy. It it literally feels like it it feels like um, they just like were shooting, and then they ran out of money for the fourth time, and they were like, oh, what was the last thing we shot? The cop gets killed. All right, that's the ending. That's honestly how this feels, because it, it. I cannot stress enough how there's this building and building and building attention, and then it just like deflates, and then that happens, and then it's over, and it 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 just it it feels so half-hearted that I don't know. I I think they were just so dejected they were like just fucking put the movie out. Do you know that? Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the band Mission of Burma. Yes. You know that song, uh, Certain Fate. Uh, I don't think that's I'm how I escape my certain fate. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ends with the guy goes, Wah! yeah. So the reason it ends with that is because that song was actually originally supposed to be like five and a half minutes long. Okay. And they're recording it. That's their first take. And he looks up, and that scream is when he realizes the tape is about to run out. <laughs> it's two and a half minutes in of their five and a half minute song. He okay. Looks up and goes, because he sees it run out. And then he listens to the tape, and they're like, well, that's pretty fucking good. We should just do that. Which, by the way, if you are in a punk band and you're thinking, do you guys think we should cut this five-minute song? The answer is always, without exception, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's no fast song, not just punk, of almost any genre. If your song is fast, do yourself a favor, cut it off at two and a half minutes. Yeah. Probably should only be a minute and a half, actually, for most songs. Yeah. So... I bring that up to say that was a mistake. That was not planning. It just happened. This is a worse mistake. This is a series of fucked up mistakes. Yeah. And yet, I find this movie almost entirely entertaining. Oh, it's charming as hell. It's so fun. I mean, this is what I want to be clear to you. This is what I think we're trying to get at here, and I just want to make it as explicit as possible. This is a fucking mess. It doesn't make sense. And it, it and all of the seams are showing. Oh, yeah. Like, everything is like, man, this is really fucking thrown together. Like, what the fuck? And yet, I'm I'm engaged. I'm watching it. The boor- You know how every 80s horror movie, almost every horror movie, but every 80s horror movie, especially slasher films, have to have the boring character bits? They couldn't possibly make the parts where the characters get to know each other fun and interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie's boring character bits, I also find charming and interesting. I'm like, huh, that's yeah. yeah, like when like when the girl is like her and her friends are filming like a horror movie in broad daylight about vampires. Yeah. I'm I'm there for I was like There's so much stuff that actually feels like I guess that's what it is about Neon Maniacs. It's not like a lot of amateur horror films where you're watching it going, idiots made this thing. <laughs> 
parts of this feel like a real movie. Yeah. Maybe not a fucking, you know, it's not like a, it's not like fucking, um, my brain just forgot any. It's not like a Brian De Palma film. Yeah, right. Oh, I, I would even go so, you know, I was going to be more as the, it's not like the charming bits are like Truffaut or some shit. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? But like, it's a real movie and then it's not. And that's what makes it so good. Yeah. For me, it's like, you're like, man, this subway sequence is actually pretty well done. Except for that it just ends and you're like, I honestly. So does he just own the train now? What happens on the train? I had a similar reaction to this movie in the. <laughs> you remember the episode of The Simpsons where uh, Krusty can no longer use Itchy and Scratchy, so they yes. use Worker. And yes. And at the he's like, it's Worker and Parasite. He watches the cartoon and it cuts back to the studio and he's just like glaring at the screen like, what the hell was that? <laughs> That's how I felt after what like I I, I, yeah. I like I enjoyed it but I was like well, what like where'd it go? And I think what's great about this movie is that. It can inspire art, both official and fan art. That is better than anything actually that you see in the movie. The, the posters don't for this let film, the posters of this movie. The posters for this film make you think this is a fucking epic. This is like this is what Masses of the Universe should have been. Yeah, everything about the art for this movie makes you think this is going to be the, the next level shit. And then you watch it; it's not that, but it's weird because you think, at least I think, maybe it could have been something like that. Yeah, with a few more million dollars, maybe. Yeah, it it was too ambitious. Yeah. Um, I don't think they got along. I don't think it's clear they ever knew what the... It really feels like they were like, so what are these fucking things? I don't know, man. We'll figure it the out. Maniacs. We'll, we'll do it, man. It's yeah. fine. I mean, so what was the what was the release title? Uh, Evil Dead Warriors. I, see, that actually feels more real to me. Evil Dead Warriors feels like a more real thing. Yeah. Uh, but then again, are they dead, though? It's not really We don't clear. know. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually if it was like, if, if the movie was named Interdimensional Fuckos, I'd be like, that works too. Okay. We don't know if they're interdimensional creatures. I don't think they are. I think they are. Here's the question. Is Eternia another dimension? Yes. No, 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 no. Eternia is at the center of the universe. Then is Etheria another dimension? The ethereal plane is, yes. No, I'm talking specifically about He-Man lore here, my man. I think that no. When the ma- when they come to us in Master of the Universe, I thought they were coming from another dimension. Oh, in the movie, yeah. Uh, I don't. So okay, the show they added dimensions later because yeah, 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 yeah. Shira is not in. So there are dimensions because yeah. Shira is in a different dimension. Shira is in a different dimension. Skeletor came from another dimension, and so did um, the Evil Horde. But when Skeletor hangs out with those kids on Christmas. They didn't like travel to his planet. They're from another dimension. We're in a different dimension than them. I think dimensional. The point is, I think these guys remind me of creatures that would serve Skeletor. These are like <laughs> 80s cartoon like, bad guys. Like Modulock. <laughs> yeah. Exact. Boss man. The neck guy. Yeah. Ma- many faces. A stinko. <laughs> I really think that they were like, what if they were scary action figures? These are scary action they figures. They are scary action figures. That's what it feels like to me is like actually murderous He-Man villains. Yeah. You got come the caveman to, guy. Come yeah. to San Francisco. They're like, are kids fucking? We have to end that right now. <laughs> so you don't you don't think there was any commentary about like fear of the homeless in this movie? Well, okay. So possibly. I didn't get that vibe. I'm willing to say it could be only because the homeless situation in San Francisco has been bad since this movie came out. So okay, yeah, is is it possible that some of that anxiety was there? It it is. I just didn't get that. I felt like I felt like that only works for like the Beast Boy or something like that. These other dudes in the movie or ladies, who knows? We don't, they don't know. Seem to have any gender. 
they got their shit together. Like I feel like Samurai guy, I'm like, well, that guy's a that's a boss. He has a skill. He's a fucking boss. The hangman, he could get people from fucking hundreds of feet away. I'm just saying, they they feel more like evil members of a they're like the evil A team from another yeah. dimension. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which doesn't make me think of homeless people. Gotcha. The only way when you said it that I connected with it was not the under the Golden Gate Bridge thing. I think that's just a weird call because they're in San Francisco. What got me was the water thing. That maybe they're allergic to water. Because they're dirty. Because they're like, you know, homeless folks who need it. Need it which, yeah. by the way, I love folks who live on the street. I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying that could be a fucked up thing. Yes, yes, know? yes. But no, it didn't occur to me right away. Interesting. Uh, honestly, this being, a, even though Dead and Driving is like so heavy handed as a metaphor. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but that's what it is. It didn't occur to me that Neon Maniacs was a metaphor for shit. I literally was like, so they had a guy who was like, I got some cool makeup, guys. It's going to be great. Yeah. And that the rest of it was like made up as they were going along. Fair enough. It does really feel like, I I, I want to go back to this other thing too. It does really feel like some of the parts where they're killing people are the most haphazard. Whereas the parts that maybe shouldn't be well done, like, again, we're chatting in the kitchen. I was like, man, every time they're chatting in the kitchen, this feels like a real movie. We get out in the park, you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> I also love some of the uh, some of the the, the 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 scores for the maniacs when the maniacs would show up. Yeah. <laughs> that that song has been like stuck in my head for oh, days yeah. now. Oh yeah. Anyways, this movie's a mess, but I could easily recommend it. Oh yeah, it's a blast. It's on Tubi, so and uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon and, and Amazon Prime, yeah. yeah. So if you get a chance, check it out, Neon Maniacs. I guess we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, look, look, I f- don't know that there's much more to say about Neon Maniacs. No. I do think Dead End Drive-In, you could say more. I might even say more. Who knows? But I think that Neon Maniacs, the only thing to be said is what I wasn't able to find. And I did spend time. You know, we don't do a ton of research for the show. But I spent some time trying to find more info on Neon Maniacs. Okay. And if anyone listening knows that there's a book or a long-form article, I can only find the sort of things that are related on here, whispers and rumors. They didn't get along on set. Yeah. There's issues with money. Uh, I, I, you know, commentary for some people who were involved in the movie who were like, we came back to set like over a course of many months, stuff like that. Um, I think there might be a Neon Maniacs Blue somewhere. Uh, I'd love, if you know anything about the making of this movie, I just feel like that has to be a story, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. There has to be some interesting story and I just couldn't find you know, I'm just Googling here, but in my Googling, I couldn't find anything good on the history of this film. So if you get at us, if you have any info on Neon Maniacs, a.k.a. Evil Dead Warriors. Or if you were the Beast Boy or the Hangman. <laughs> yeah. Or the, or, or the Spooky Surgeon. Or any of the Maniacs. Crossbow guy. It looks kind of like a Vulture Man. He, he does look like a Vulture Man. Yeah. Interesting. They're distinct characters. They're not random. I don't know if I'd call yeah characters in a very loose sense. Of the sure. Well, let's put it this way: I've seen low budget slashers that have less character development than these guys. Oh yeah, you can at least tell these these beings apart from each other. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Um, you can head to cinepunks.com to hear more episodes of this podcast and many other great podcasts. I'm not going to fucking name them because they can do their own promotions. Yeah, yeah. We just, we love Black them. Sun Dispatches. Yeah. Fucking Fat Girl Hacks. There's probably ads for them on here. Cheese. I'm sure Jacob put it's an fine. ad on here. It's fine. Jacob puts ads on. If you're listening to us on iTunes, do us a favor and rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. Uh, check out 
the LVAC or Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations at xlvacx.com and the LVAC on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theharbiz666. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash cinepunks. If you're already a patron, thank you very much. And until next time, hawk heck. What is, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's what the, they say at the end of Worker and Parasite. Jesus Christ. We'll talk to you later. Anyone hear us? This is Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. Anyone can hear this broadcast. We need your help. We've been kidnapped and imprisoned in a tomb by this creepy old undertaker named Mr. Gravely. And he's forcing us to review his collection of Marvel horror comics. Stuff like Tomb of Dracula. Werewolf by Night. Man-Thing. Ghost Rider. And so much more. If you can hear this, please contact our families. Tell them we can be found at... You can find James and Trey every other Wednesday at the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. See you there, Tomb Believers. <laughs>《The Night Sky in Search of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about Telpomancy, Haunted Railroads, Sentient Umbrella Spirits, Mind-Altering Video Games, Remote Viewing, Spongebob Conspiracy Theories, and Only Gets Weirder From There. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!